Hello, I'm Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. episode chester unravels surprise surprise and stanley gets his comeuppance surprise surprise (laughs) (laughs) today's episode is titled showstoppers and was written by our fave a simple favor writer jessica scharzer and directed by lonnie perister who also directed the tupperware massacre episode nice the man loves a massacre (laughs) (laughs) so shall we start with chester because i think that his is the most clear-cut storyline yeah i mean (laughs) this was not gonna end well and surprise it did not end well (laughs) everyone could have seen this coming Everyone, including Dandy, who is not the most prescient of characters, but still, he's also like, this dude's gonna fuck up and then I'm gonna get my way. Yeah, (laughs) if Dandy is here being like, hey, I think this guy might be a psychopath. Not a good sign. It should probably be like, hmm, the psychopath is telling me this man is a psychopath. I feel like maybe, you know, like recognizes like, you know? (laughs) (laughs) but you know what whatever you do what you want to do and if someone gets sword in half someone gets sword in half and you can just deal with the consequences (laughs) it's not my problem anymore put them back together with flex tape yeah flex tape oh my god that's such a good callback that's a good callback to i want to say like season one Flex tape. Flex tape. Flex tape can 100% combine a woman's on and half back together. Ka-ching! Slap it on there. (laughs) So, Chester, I mean, let's let's be fair to Chester. He and Bat and Dot are having a great time. Yes. But Marjorie gets jealous. Yeah, because... that's like, you know. <laughs> Can we not have the doll look at us while we bang? Can we not? Is it all right? <laughs> Don't have the doll looking at us. <laughs> while we're being intimate. <laughs> and I love that he fully just slaps the doll down. <laughs> yeah, also rude. I mean, understandable in a moment, but also I'm not surprised Marjorie gets jealous. Yeah. That's like... <laughs> like when a pet came in the room. Like, <laughs> Get out! <laughs> Smack the cat across the room. <gasps> Not now! <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer we're not endorsing animal cruelty or violence in any way shape or form and definitely not in those situations either because no. No but many a cat has been 
<laughs> flung across the room <laughs> because they interrupted something in a gentle, non-harming way. They land on their feet. It's fine. No comment. <laughs> 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 so Chester is all up in his head he's having marital problems with his doll and yes but he's also the new boss he's the new Al Samara so he wants he's doing his own show he's being very like creative director weird about it Get a kid. Yeah. <laughs> He's coming in like, I've got a new running order. This is, I'm just, it's about the flow, you know? To be you honest. just match the energies. <laughs> to be honest, can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also can relate. Having to, used to have to do stand-up <gasps> lineups, a nightmare. Oh my God. Did you used to do stand-up as well? Yeah. <gasps> I would have loved to see you do stand-up. No. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, I wasn't funny, so this is why I don't talk about it, because... I mean, I don't know, incorrect. No. No. Someone who edits these episodes and then continuously just absolutely pees herself laughing. (laughs) Things you say, I do not believe. (laughs) Well, I I believe. (laughs) But... Chester wants to do the sawing a woman in half trick, which does not go the way it usually is supposed to go. Yeah, because he wants to do it with Ben and Dot. Mm-hmm. And they're like, mm, that's like pretty specifically triggering for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, So they refuse, quite naturally. And instead of Chester being like, they probably have their reason. Let me not freak out about this. He freaks out about it. And for some reason, Maggie, <laughs> I don't know where she was before, like appears from behind the curtain because she wasn't even in the meeting. <laughs> she just like walks in be like, I'll do it. <laughs> well, I just got to flash some leg. That's fine. I'm... <laughs> I have just randomly decided to volunteer for narrative purposes. She's just trying to be helpful, but also let's remember there's this is the penultimate episode of the of the season, so people are gonna be dying left, right, and center. Yeah, and Freak Show is really the beginning of the American horror story trend of oh fuck, I really can't be bothered to tie up all these narratives. Let me just mass murder everybody. Murder, murder, Spoiler. Murder. <laughs> well, <What's about> <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Maggie gets sewn in half. But that's not the thing that upsets Chester. <laughs> the thing that upsets Chester. Well, let's let's first discuss the the fact that she gets sewn in half in front of everyone, and then it's very gory. It's like full on. Here's two parts of a of a human body. Um. Yeah. Flop. Yeah, <laughs> some organs flop out some guts flop out and Chester's like can we flex tape this I don't know but he gets very upset when he also in a in a fit of rage murders quote unquote murders Marjorie and then he turns himself in to the police <laughs> yes because he's so distraught <laughs> and he's 
<laughs> he gets on his knees and he's like, send me to the electric chair. <laughs> theater kid vibes. <laughs> A big theater kid vibes. And all the cops are like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because the thing is, he's covered in blood. So but he did murder someone. He murdered somebody. <laughs> so they're very confused because they're like, well, this is a puppet, but that's blood. So I feel like there's two pieces of a puzzle that we need to put together here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, let's go over to our good friend Jimmy, who is recovering. We've done this in a weird way because actually Maggie is the one who is healing like changing his bandages and and trying to make amends and stuff and she's come clean to elsa and she's kind of trying to be helpful and engaging with all the freaks like she seems to be coming from a genuinely good place but fuck maggie whatever the point of this storyline is that elsa brings her old friend to help jimmy Massimo! Don't you be, no. <laughs> Massimo! <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to see him again. These two, these two last episodes are going to make you so happy. So, how can, how can Massimo be of service? Well, what does he do? He, he, he carpents things. <laughs> So, obviously, he can make some hands for Jimmy. It's all great. It's perfect. He can make some beautiful little hands. Although, slightly problematic that... I'm sorry, Massimo, a little problematic. Well, he says at one point that um, if I'm going to make you whole, I don't want you to die from infection. It's a little bit, a bit like, okay, like, he's not less of a person for having had that amputation like yeah 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 that's sorry that was one line i was like that's i mean considering everything that this show has done like why would you have him say that that seems really off um but yeah. we still he's still bae like <laughs> he does look really good he looks really good with those with those little glasses great accent oh yes yeah also i love the fact that him and um elsa are just like speaking Italian like a mix of Italian and English all the time and kind of trying to second guess Aww. what the phrases mean. Oh. And their their little story is so like sad and tragic and romantic. Yeah. We kind of get Massimo explains why they can never be together and it's so sad. What happened? Hans Grouper <laughs> He's back. Fucking Hans Grouper. Yeah, who, if people remember, he's the Nazi doctor from Asylum. Uh, but now he's younger. In the, but the act, sorry, the actor that plays him is his son, right? Yeah, that's James Cromwell's son, who looks exactly that. like him. <laughs> that's such. That's so cute. I really love that. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good. It's such a good little um kind of piece of casting. Um, yeah, so basically, Massimo is like, 
he finds out that it's that so the Nazis were the one that that cut off Elsa's legs, and mm. then he's gonna be like, "I'm gonna hunt down some Nazis," which is very sexy. <laughs> and he goes and he kills all the Nazis, and you're like, "Yeah, Massimo." It's like Massimo uh, and Axeman mixed together. It is it is that scene from mm. X Men <laughs> where mm. he's at the bar with the coin. It's that, but it's Massimo. Yeah. And he hunts down Hans Gruber, but for some reason he did not think that that man would have a gun, despite him being a Nazi officer. It didn't pass through his mind, but we'll forgive him for that. Uh, so Hans Gruber shoots him, and then tortures him, and it's awful. But then, I'm not quite, I don't really understand, so his superior wanted bookshelves? Yeah. So they don't kill him? They don't kill him because he is such a good carpenter that he can make bookshelves. For the Nazi senior officers. Bookshelves are not hard to make, but okay. <laughs> Listen, as someone who's been like fucking picking out bookshelves for the past six months and just got them, and I still somehow managed to fuck up building them, bookshelves are hard. Give me a call, Massimo, is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I take that. I take that back. Um, and it's for all the stolen books. Um, yes. Which immediately made me think of Indiana Jones and that's really bad. <laughs> so Massimo escapes further torture because he can build a shelf. We love a man who can build things. But he is so tortured by everything that he can no longer love. He says, I'm like Pinocchio. I have no soul. I cannot can love. Can I just say, I feel so vindicated. Because you know, several what? episodes ago, yeah. I was like, is this an allusion to Pinocchio? <gasps> yes you did you did oh my god that's right, such a good catch right you it were wasn't just it right. wasn't just because he was italian they were doing a pinocchio thing <laughs> however i mean i haven't seen the kind of the gritty matteo garone like reimagining of pinocchio so maybe that's 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 more akin to this but did pinocchio have no soul um he wasn't a real boy until he was a real boy, right? Yeah, but that had nothing to do with like his emotional ability to, you know, feel love, right? That well, that's true. We don't really find out what happens afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah, no, because yeah, because Massimo in this episode is like, I'm like Pinocchio. I have no soul. I cannot love, and it's very sad. And Elsa is very sad. It's it's like a really big, you know, oh. We can we want to be together, but we cannot be together because you live in Birmingham and I live in London. It's not and as dramatic, but you know what I mean. You are Pinocchio. That is also true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember the blue fairy at the end of the Disney cartoon being like, "You have no soul." <laughs> yeah, that's a don't, bit. <laughs> bit I don't think she said that, but. Um, I will, I'm willing to run with it if it proves that I was correct in making that illusion several episodes earlier. I think you are correct. Like I don't think it's a mis uh, I don't think it's, you know, completely throw away that they make that illusion specifically. Yeah. So then we've got also, you know, another character is scratched off the whiteboard in the writers' rooms. Um Stanley gets found out and I'm going to say that this is like a very, like very specific form of punishment that he undergoes. Well, 
Yes, because they explain the plot of a movie to him, yes. and then they do the movie on him. <laughs> I love it <laughs> so much. <laughs> Which I would argue does not happen very often in real life, but I wish it did. If I was a supervillain, I would do that. <laughs> not like turn someone into a chicken, but like explain to them the reference and then do the reference. In in oh. in life, be so good. Explain the entire plot of Fargo and then push them down a wood chipper. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe maybe I should write a, a, a <laughs> comic book or something. That's be so just good. That. And like <laughs> as they're going in the wood chipper, they'll be like, Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. You're doing Fargo. <laughs> yeah, and like the whole plot is that they need to understand the reference and get the reference and if they don't get it they die the death of the reference but if they this get it is, i would set them free this is just so if uh, jigsaw had a letterbox <laughs> yes that is it, like if i was a super villain that would exactly be my modus operandi <laughs> i love it <laughs> i'm nobody steal this idea i'm 100 gonna write it <laughs> I'm gonna go on an actual murder spree, but it's all gonna be be saw traps, and the cops are gonna be really confused. (laughs) Unless there was like a cinephile cop, and then he sort of starts piecing together the references, and then they go looking through people's letterboxed accounts, be like, who has seen all of these movies and given them five stars? And then that's how they piece together. Jinx, I don't actually like Saw, so. (laughs) (laughs) Joke's on you. You will never catch me. (laughs) That's a twist. That's a twist. It's always a postmodern, ironic serial killing. Yeah, people are just getting murdered in a bunch of, like, ways referenced in Terrence Malick movies. (laughs) And they're like, we can't figure it out. <laughs> we just can't figure it out. We think we think it's somebody who's obsessed with Terrence Malick, and yet we can't. It's like boom! It's actually somebody who doesn't like him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Okay, I'm I'm writing it down on a post that this is happening. This is my future. Perfect. And I'm gonna call the the killer like Massimo as a reference to this podcast. Massimo. <laughs> you know that aside, Stanley. I'm sure we will discuss this later on, but basically he, everybody knows what he's done, Maggie's come clean, and they full-on turn him into a chicken man. Yes. They do a, they do a freaks on him. Yeah. It's really great, like, effects, though. Like, it, it looks really disturbing to see Dennis O'Hare like that. Yeah, it is really cool. I feel like it would have been cooler if they didn't start the episode by explaining the plot of Freaks. Because <laughs> then you can kind of see it coming. But I understand that perhaps they had to do that. Yeah. But then if you haven't see, seen Freaks, you would still not know that it's a reference. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know that perhaps the visual reference, but you would get the thematic symbolism because I think that, uh, to be honest, I can see the criticism both ways. Because if they hadn't over-explained the plot to freaks, then 
people who haven't seen, you know, the Todd Browning film, you know, who are not Ryan Murphy and me. <laughs> <laughs> and don't know the plot and the very specific type of um uh like freaks that are in that film and how they punish the the character then they would be like well we don't get it like what the fuck does that mean it's just oh it's just ryan murphy being weird again with body modification stuff but if they explain it from the get-go it's like oh it's it's a reference and if if you haven't seen a film you won't get the visual reference but you'll get the thematic resonance so i'm kind of i'm kind of prefer this version because i i think people who haven't seen the movie get it even though they get don't get the visuals yes although what i find interesting because in this show mm. He, they also they do it so he looks like Meep, right? Because yeah. he's got the little feather thing, which is not a little different to the. Because she's just kind of like a chicken person at the end of the movie, right? So yes, but also I think Meep's little chicken feather was always a reference to Freaks as well, but in a kind of cuter way. Yeah, so I get it's kind of a layered reference happening yeah i think the main thing is that they basically turn an able-bodied person who was there to take advantage of them and abuse them they gang up with this person and kind of give them their comeuppance but making them into one of them but also refusing to to have them be a part of their community well yeah because oh because meep meep is a reference to a character in freaks because there was someone dressed like that with the little feather yes. hat. Yes. Yeah. So it feels like it's yeah, it's like a multi-layered reference also cuz there cuz obviously he Oh, no he wasn't responsible for Meep's death though. No, that was the the policeman. The police killed Meep. I was thinking it was more clever than it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like your interpretation better. You know what? We're like rewriting American Horror Story. And honestly, we're doing a very great job. Emmy for us. Because I thought the meep, the meep, the fact that they make him to look like, address him to look like meep mm-hmm. with the feathers. I thought it was like, remember, like you will forever be marked with the person that you, but he didn't kill meep. So it doesn't work <laughs> he didn't kill me but he framed meep so the people who actually actually physically murdered meep was was the policeman but that's when stanley arrived and started to like set fires in places and sometimes he would never actually like kill people directly he would dismember them but he'd always get someone to do the dirty work for him okay so it still works I think it works, yeah. I really like that interpretation of it. And I'd like to think that um, it was intentional in the on all those layers. But at this point also in the story, Stanley is responsible for so many deaths of so many freaks that, you know, not to disrespect Meep, but there are so many other people that have perished because of his actions that this is yeah. now, you know, one... It's not just about me, but it's about all of them. And um, that lady in charge of the American Morbidity Museum. 
they yes. also they kill her. Yeah. Which I guess is also a, a, a way of symbolic justice because they're like, well, you made your money and engineer, you know, facilitated and commissioned the death of so many people. You're going to end up in a fucking jar as well. And we're going to stare at you. How does that feel? Yeah, I, I it feels like she was kind of more the lackey. <laughs> I don't know if she but like at this point. Well, you know. she's the one who like basically commissioned Stanley to get That's her the freaks yeah okay no she yeah you, you got what's coming to you so then we start wrapping up the episode stanley's done maggie's done chester's done elsa well elsa sells the freak show to dandy so she can leave and go to hollywood even though stanley is not a hollywood manager yeah, because she finds out. So the the everyone finds out that she killed Ethel. Mm-hmm. So they're like, right, we gotta kill. El-. You see, everyone's trying to kill each other now. <laughs> so everyone decides that they're gonna kill Elsa, but Bet and Dot, because they're just they're nice gals. They go warn Elsa and say, you should probably go because everyone is planning to murder you. Mm-hmm. Elsa has a little dramatic freak out. And then, you know, because she is actually a very incredibly selfish, awful person, Mm -hmm. she says, well, fuck it. If you're going to try and kill me, then I'm just going to sell the freak show to a murderer. (laughs) Bye, bitches. I'm going to get my 10 grand and run away to Hollywood. Honk, honk, bye. (laughs) (laughs) It's um, that that video of Lizzo on the golf cart going (laughs) Bye, bitches. (laughs) And yeah, so Dandy arrives and is like, I'm your boss now. And I'm going to be a big problem. Yep. (laughs) That's where the episode ends. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Although there's one more thing. Oh. One nice I thought it was a really sweet moment. Mm-hmm. So Massimo gives Jimmy his the hands that he's created. Yes. And it's the lot it's the lobster hands. Yes. It's the lobster hands. It's so sweet. I think mm-hmm. that that's one of my favorite moments of the show because it's like that everyone is going, oh, Jimmy, you finally get the chance to be normal. You can have a mm. normal life. And for Jimmy to reject that and go, no, like, <laughs> this idea of normal is bullshit. Those mm. hands were normality to me. And and I want that back. I don't want some other thing. Yeah. I think that is a really understated but nice, powerful message. And I loved the moment. And good for just everybody involved (laughs) massimo jimmy (laughs) you're very very right i'm glad you pointed it out and uh it's also very sweetly like efficiently directed because we just get this overhead shot of massimo's designs of you know the the wooden hands you know with with um with five digits each and then he sort of brushes that off 
and then we see we see the lo- the wooden lobster hands in in his little wooden box and it's just really we expect one thing and then actually it's personal growth from Jimmy. It's just nice. It's very nice. And that's the thing it's like for a show that we think we like is always going to overstate everything. Mm. I do actually think when it comes to those kinds of messages you know they they don't do the easy route of having jimmy doing a big speech about you know him going what's normal he doesn't i don't think the show ever does that is it is more clever than that to 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 reach out and and look for simple images Mm -hmm. that that say enough and i think we've seen that multiple times uh, across the show and that's why I like it <laughs> yes so shall we move on to our categories now yes what is your top quote of the episode um, I just like when Maggie's dead <laughs> and Desiree just goes eh, she had it covered steal her jewellery then bury the bitch <laughs> Honestly, Desiree, you're right. <laughs> yeah. It's she's not one that she's been shitty all season. <laughs> yeah, no one's really gonna mourn her. Good for and her. She did have nice jewelry, so <laughs> good priorities there. I think mine was an Elsa Mars quote where she goes, He tried to kill my dreams, but they cannot be murdered. Oh, it's, she says it so dramatically. I she like really it. does. I can't, obviously, I cannot recreate the drama because, as you know, Clarice, I'm a fucking terrible actor, but Aww. it's such a good line. It's I such a it. good line. There's, there's so much drama in it. She's such a drama bitch. I love her. <laughs> what about the Boma Bono Award for horniest moment of the episode? <laughs> I mean, come um, on. <laughs> It has to be Chester, like, pushing Marjorie away from the bed while they're having sex, right? Massive Arl and Elsa <gasps> looking at each other. Being yeah, like, okay. Mm, we're so in love. I'm sorry, my vote's gotta go. Massimo. <laughs> it's always gotta be Massimo. <laughs> <laughs> why, did I, why did I even consider that it might be anything else? Ah, I'm such sorry. a fool. Such a fool. <laughs> <laughs> but what about big feels for big drama? Um, you know, oh, you know what my vote's gonna be. Um, is it gonna be Massimo and Elsa? No, it's when Jimmy's he's he's yelling and he has I have no hands because it reminded me of Moonstruck. (laughs) The cage of Moonstruck. Yes, I have no hand. I have no wife. I have no hand. I have no wife. Was it they took my head and you're my wife? <laughs> I love that movie. Yes. Um, I was actually, just, yeah. I was actually going to say the Massimo and Elsa moment would be the big feels for big drama moment for me because it's it's horny, but it's very emotional. Like they love each other. They don't just want to bone each other. It's horn emotional. <laughs> 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 what about who who wins in this episode in Paulson v Paulson? I'm trying to think, well, they don't really do that much, except um, 
I don't do that much apart from Chester. Hey! <laughs> hey! Um, they both win in that case. They're both having a lovely time. Yeah, but then they kind of lose because he cuts a woman in half. <laughs> but he doesn't cut them in half. This is true. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's a tie because their best moment in the episode is them both having orgasms with Chester. So I'm like, you know what? You both win. Yeah. I, I'm I'm misremembering now. now. Is this the episode where Dandy goes to visit them? That is the next one, I believe. Okay. I'm sorry. I said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it seems almost silly because we have already spoken about this, but cinematic references this week? Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Pinocchio, we've got Freaks, Freaks, we've got Moonstruck. I refuse to believe that is not a reference. <laughs> that is 100% a reference. It absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that Freaks is the main one. Yeah. And did you pick up on any historical, did you pick up on any insensitive historical references this week? Well, I just would like to point out first off that Chester repeated my Torini fact from last week when it came to the sawing the woman in half. So what you're saying is that you wrote this episode? <laughs> I just want to say, you know, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny. I was yeah. like, oh, he's explaining it too. Because <laughs> people who like magic love to explain the history of magic. Uh, <laughs> the, the, Can I just I, say that I would love for you and Neil Patrick Harris to have a whole stage magic podcast called Magical Thinking? I would love to do that. I interviewed him once and I didn't ask him about magic at all. What? We were talking about a series of unfortunate events, though, so... Come on! <laughs> it was still very on brand for the both of us. It's like I, you and yeah. him who like stage magic that much. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Please go on. Neil Patrick Harris, please come on the show, and please can we talk about magic? It would be so cool. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the only um reference that I picked up is that Stanley mentions that his cousin works at the Garden of Allah, mm -hmm. which was a famous hotel in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um and it was a private residence that was then converted into a residential hotel. Um but I don't know what's like a bunch of like very famous people lived there or stayed there they became home to many celebrities and literary figures f scott fitzgerald lived there for several months in 1937 to 38 um so kind of like the chateau marmont yeah but i think in more of a villa so i i think it was well it was both short-term and long-term guests but it seemed like yeah quite a few people would stay there mm -hmm. for a, a while greta garba ronald reagan um, Rachmaninoff, okay. uh, who was musically assaulted there by an annoyed Harpo Marx. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, 
Stravinsky, Humphrey Bogart, Errol Flynn, uh, Artie Shaw, Frank Sinatra, Judy Garland. So everybody kind of stayed there at some point. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of, instead of it being a hotel, I guess it's more villas for rental. Like, uh, it's kind of the, the old Hollywood <laughs> concept of Airbnb. Oh my god. And in the 2013 film Gangster Squad, uh-huh. uh huh, it's the, I think it's where Ryan Gosling's character lives. <laughs> oh my lord. Remember that movie and how bad it was? Yes, I. it was so bad I didn't even see it because I could tell that it was going to be really, really terrible. It, it is the least good of the Stone Gosling collaborations. <laughs> <laughs> and to round off, who is the MVP of the episode, you'd say? I'm probably Dandy, right? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, he actually successfully manipulates the situation the white men always win mm. hate it yes not a fan not a fan so that's it for this episode of freak show what can we expect from the next one in the next episode it's the freak show finale and dandy sings Cole Porter. Well, he doesn't actually. We don't hear him sing Cole Porter. I don't want to. I don't want to get people too excited. He talks about singing Cole Porter, and then some shit goes down. He wants to sing Cole Porter. <laughs> he really wants to sing Cole Porter, and I feel like Ryan Murphy really robbed us of a moment by not having Finn Whitrock sing Anything Goes, full Temple of Doom style. <laughs> Listen, I will forgive American Horror Story for almost everything. But I will never forgive them for not giving us Finwich Rock singing Cole Porter. We'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Freak Show. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. Follow us at The Next Supremes Pod. Also, I'm at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. In olden days. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> well, if you can't do it, then how is Dandy supposed to do it? too funny. Last time you came by, Luke. Never fall in love with a hustler. It's my advice.